In early May, a jarring accident occurred on the Taizhou Metro. A large crane tumbled from a construction site onto the track of the metro, causing an incoming train to collide into it. The crash left one dead and ten others injured. The horrific scene shook the nation to its core. Construction executives stood in a row, bowing an apology. But it was all too late for the life lost, Ling Shuya, a law professor at Providence University. It happened on May 10th. At a construction site next to the metro's green line, a steel beam snapped while a tower crane was being dismantled. That sent the crane's boom careening onto the track. An incoming train was unable to stop in time, and the crash killed one and injured ten others. Upon examining the scene and the nearby construction site, a critical question was raised. Why did this 40-meter-long, 3.3-ton crane boom come crashing down from the 31st story? Tower cranes must be dismantled from the top, section by section. So during the process, aged material or carelessness in the dismantling process may have caused this outcome. During building construction, tower cranes are often used to lift large loads. Engineers must first assemble the crane. The process is like building blocks. The crane goes up, section by section. Load lifting begins only after the crane is fully assembled. Once the work is done, the crane is dismantled piece by piece. From the tower crane's installation to its dismantling, each stage is extremely important. Any oversight can trigger a workplace accident or even a major construction accident. Assembly is usually the riskiest part of using a tower crane, but the crane involved in the metro crash was being dismantled. Assembly is the most difficult and the highest risk, because as it goes up, section by section, there's always a gap before another section is added, similar to playing with blocks. After overcoming this most challenging and high-risk phase, the builders may have approached the dismantling phase with the sense that the biggest challenge was already over. During this assembly, they may have had a more lax mindset. Footage of the accident is alarming to watch, yet such accidents happen all too often. On March 31, 2002, a 6.8 magnitude earthquake struck Taiwan. The Taipei Financial Center was under construction at the time. During the quake, a tower crane fell from the building's 60th floor, killing five and injuring 19. Investigators found that, apart from the earthquake, a cause of the tragedy was that the east-west crane boom had not been fortified with screws, causing the boom to break. Following the accident, construction of the Taipei Financial Center was suspended for three months before resuming under a new name, Taipei 101. Taiwan is no stranger to deadly construction accidents. In 2021, a construction vehicle caused an express train to derail, claiming 49 lives and injuring more than 200 people. 
In April 2015, a steel girder fell over the work site of the Taizhou Metro's Green Line, taking the lives of four people and injuring another four. Experts say these accidents are part of a widespread pattern of negligence. On the first day of the 2021 Tomb Sweeping Festival holiday, a construction vehicle fell onto a section of track in Hualien County. A high-speed Taroko Express train slammed into it, resulting in 49 deaths. The train had been running on the railway's eastern trunk line, but the problem lay along the western trunk line, where a tunnel slope maintenance project was underway. Fingers were pointed all around in the wake of the accident. According to risk management expert Daniel Yao, the construction site was managed by three companies. Not one of them realized that the site was full of risks. The construction project was taking place right above an active railway, so that's the first risk. The second is that there are two tunnels, meaning that if anything falls onto the tracks, the driver doesn't have much time to react. Slope maintenance on the open-cut tunnel began nearly two years prior. Workers from the three companies came and went, oblivious to the life-endangering risks of their project. This accident occurred because a construction vehicle had slipped down a construction access road. It slipped down the slope. From the original worksite planning team all the way down the line, no one saw this risk. Construction accidents like this occur with an unsettling regularity. On the afternoon of April 10, 2015, a 209-ton steel girder fell over a Taichung Metro construction site, killing four and leaving four injured. An investigation found that the contractor, Far Eastern Construction, had violated work hour regulations and flouted proper lifting procedures, leading to the tragic accident. Nine months earlier, there were already signs of problems with the construction company. In August 2014, Far Eastern Construction had improperly handled a crane, causing it to tip and crash into a residential building. The accident happened late at night, and no one was injured. In the months afterward, neither the contractor nor the government took steps to address the incident, which captured little public attention. A major accident struck the following year. When small risks aren't taken seriously, they can lead to a catastrophe. Here in Taiwan, construction accidents are frequent. At first glance, this appears to be a problem with the construction industry. But experts say blame should be shared by the government and the public. All too often, public works contracts are granted to the lowest bidder, leading to compromises in safety. The absence of a safety culture within Taiwan society is also a cause for concern. When you're in a hurry, you start to ignore certain things. And when your budget is tight, you start to cut corners. SAS Ling Liqing has worked in engineering for many years. He says it's common for public works contracts to go to the lowest bidder. 
projects are run on tight budgets with multiple layers of subcontractors. As a result, worker quality and safety are often the first to be compromised. Today, all construction sites go for the lowest bids and construction periods are limited. So I want to ask everyone, if you want it fast and you want it cheap, how good can the quality be? Ideally, if you were to be truly professional about it, you would contract out the safety infrastructure separately. The government should make access contingent upon safety and find a separate contractor. That is to say, if the builders don't set up proper safety measures, then they can't even enter the construction site. That's the correct, more progressive way to go about it. But we lack such a concept. We bundle up everything and give it to you, and we just want you to finish it. To fix the problems caused by low bid procurement, engineering associations have pushed the government to evaluate contractors based on value rather than cost. This method factors in the contractor's qualifications and track record, but no law requires such vetting, and the practice has seen limited adoption. Should the government enforce highest value procurement for all contracts above a certain dollar amount? If it did, we would see an improvement in project management and vendor selection. It would prevent scenarios where a construction company with a poor record is still allowed to bid and to win bids. And then it sets up a disorganized construction site, leading to bad management and cutting corners to do things the cheapest way. But the problem extends beyond construction and government. It's rooted in Taiwan's social fabric, where there's a lack of what experts call safety culture. Mom and dad might park illegally out front or make an illegal turn. Then, when the crossing guard asks them not to do this, they pick a fight with the crossing guard. Children see this and they learn from it. That's the cultural factor. It's passed on from one generation to the next. It's because of such adults that we have such children who grow up to become such adults. In daily life, we've all been known to compromise safety for convenience. How can we expect construction workers with the same mindset to put safety first? We have seen too many cases, too many avoidable fires, traffic accidents, and even people who think they can hike up a mountain but then don't prepare properly and go up alone. This can only be changed through education, and it can't be changed immediately. It will take one generation passing it on to the next, 20 years or 30 years, before our society sees safety as a very important consideration that can't be compromised on. Only then can it be applied to our professional lives. Recent tragedies, such as the metro crash that claimed a professor's life, highlight Taiwan's glaring blind spot when it comes to safety. In April of this year, a startling sight unfolded near a construction area in Xinju. A section of a road suddenly caved in, creating a sinkhole that swallowed up a nearby Tesla. Just half a month earlier, a similar incident occurred in Taipei. A giant sinkhole appeared near a construction site, causing nearby homes to lean precariously and prompting the residents' evacuation. These incidents are not isolated. Sinkholes are showing up all across urban Taiwan, damaging roads and threatening the safety and property of locals. 
But what is causing this alarming rise in sinkholes? And is there a way to predict when and where the next one will occur? Even in a casual conversation with neighbors, anxiety is visible on the face of Zhubei community leader Mao Zhenfu. The business people here are either tenants or property owners who live on the property themselves. The tenants suffer the most. Why? Because when the road is sealed, they can't do business. Any one of these shop fronts costs 30,000 or 40,000 NT dollars in rent each month. Over the past nine months, the roads surrounding this Zhubei construction site have collapsed five times. One of those roads, Shenli Second Road, has been closed for more than half a year, leaving a long row of desolate shops. This year in April, another sinkhole at the worksite devoured a Tesla. Residents in Zhubei live in fear, and less than half a month later, another sinkhole appeared in Taipei's Xinyi district, swallowing up scooters and bicycles. Sinkholes have become an increasingly common phenomenon. One struck in Yonghe, New Taipei in 2020, in Jianghua City in 2021, in Tianjin, Kaohsiung in 2022, and in Longjing, Taichung in 2023. What's driving this unsettling phenomenon? Many of the sinkholes that we see are the result of human interference. It has to do with the mechanical balance between water and soil. Anything that causes an imbalance of water in the soil can lead to the rearrangement of soil particles, resulting in a collapse. To get a sense of this water-soil imbalance, consider this scenario. A water pipe bursts under a road. Water comes rushing out, washing away the nearby soil and leading to the formation of voids in the soil layer. Once the road begins to cave, a sinkhole is created. Typically, building a high-rise involves deep excavation, which lowers the level of the groundwater. Particularly at the construction site itself, the groundwater level is very low. If the groundwater level is significantly lower than the level outside of the construction site, fine particles of soil can be washed away. When a high-rise basement is excavated to a depth that's lower than the groundwater level, water infiltration can hinder construction. To prevent this from happening, wells are often set up to pump groundwater and lower the water level. The discrepancy between the water levels inside and outside the worksite causes water to flow out toward the area with the lower level. This becomes a problem if the ground composition is a mix of gravel and sand. Flowing water can sweep away the sand, depriving the gravel of its supportive structure. The gravel then repositions itself, leading to the creation of voids. But before a high-rise is built, wouldn't a construction firm conduct a geological survey? In the early years, we'd heard of cases where geological surveys were falsified and even skipped entirely. But nowadays, we don't hear about such things happening. Next, the geological report is turned over to professional technicians. They use it to design supports for the sides of an excavated basement to prevent soil or water from collapsing. Three types of supports are commonly used in the industry. Sheet piles, earth retaining piles, and continuous walls. 
The continuous wall is the most expensive and it takes the longest time to set up. However, it's the best at retaining soil and water. The next best thing is the earth retaining pile. But there are gaps between each one, so of course groundwater can seep in, reducing its effectiveness. Then there's the sheet pile. The crevices and sheet piles make it easy for groundwater to seep in. Technicians will recommend which support to use based on the geological conditions. With modern engineering designs, safety isn't an issue, but even the highest performing continuous walls can't prevent sinkholes from forming. The preliminary assessment is that water leaked from the seams of the wall. No matter what form of construction is used, the appearance of muddy water at a construction site is a warning sign. Here in the basement of this Zhubei construction project, you can see muddy water where the sandbags are piled up. The leaking water, if it carries materials such as sand, you'll be able to see color. Seeing color means that the water has started to bring out fine particles. That's a very important message. Disasters caused by groundwater actually occur very slowly. There are opportunities to resolve them. There's time. Sinkholes are problems with warning signs, and there's time to prevent their formation. So when they occur anyway, over and over again, is man solely to blame? Over in Zhubei, Xinju, locals now find it hard to trust developers. So in these years, Zhubei Eight years ago, Casey moved to Jubei with her husband, an engineer. They live near the construction site where multiple sinkholes have occurred. On the day a Tesla fell into a crater, she was not far away. It felt like a stunt from a movie. You could see a car stuck inside, and it felt so unreal. I took a picture on my way back. The soil erosion inside, by that time, the car had already been removed, and I discovered that all the soil inside was gone. The hole was super empty. When I saw it, I was shocked at first glance, and then later I felt scared. The looming threat of sinkholes has caused anger and distress among the people of this neighborhood. Each day, cracks expand in their sidewalks and flower planters. Everybody's worried about their house collapsing. They worked so hard to buy a house. You're lying to them if you tell them not to worry. Through a friend's referral, I personally invited a structural engineer from Taipei to provide an explanation to our residents. Last Friday, through a neighbor, we brought in another structural engineer from Kaohsiung. Repeated sinkholes have forced residents to seek out experts of their own. They don't believe the narrative of construction companies. They're also suspicious of the local government. What Xinju County Commissioner Yang Wenke does is he goes to the site, he performs his outrage, that's his SOP. After his performance of rage, construction stops. It stops for a while and then it resumes. The reality is, there's a relationship between construction companies and local governments. These politicians are too close-knit with builders, who provide political donations or campaign headquarters and things like that. This leads to the inability to assert public power over people you need to manage. But what can these locals do to help themselves? 
Assistant Professor Li Jinhua pushes a ground-penetrating radar, a machine that costs nearly a million New Taiwan dollars. It offers a window to the world below ground. It's just like doing an X-ray scan of the human body. The depth of its detection is determined by the high and low frequencies of the antenna. In good geological conditions, low frequencies can detect up to 30 meters, no problem. Based on the waves reflected from the ground, this radar can distinguish between different materials such as metal, plastic and air. It can help residents judge whether the ground of their neighborhood is safe. Experts can use these ripples to decode information from underground. Even a hole measuring 15 centimeters in diameter can be detected. Such a radar, if incorporated in the standard protocol of building construction, could eliminate many hazards and disputes. Prior to excavation, you could do a survey. For example, regardless of the construction site, you must survey the neighboring properties, do a test first to get some baseline information. So in the process of excavation, if anything happens to the neighboring properties, another test can be done to see the problem was caused by the soil. To reduce the frequency of sinkholes over the long run, the central government needs to strengthen its regulation of the construction industry. We asked the construction and planning agency to help local governments set up a standard for resuming work. After all, what are the criteria for resuming work? Secondly, there needs to be an SOP for follow-up safety monitoring. The website should let citizens know which builders are extremely terrible, with a record of frequent construction accidents and multiple fines for the construction agency. They sent cement mixer trucks to do the grouting. They used 58 trucks. With the arrival of each new building, one question invariably arises. Will it be a good neighbor or a bad neighbor? The answer is largely up to the government and the construction industry and whether they can restore the people's right to live in peace and without fear.